I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Gather around the campfire, everyone. It's time for... The Connor and Smith Show. Tell us a story. Well, today we're going to be talking to um, the pastor of the Arlington Presbyterian Church, Ashley Goff. Uh, she was a guest on season one. She'll be a, a guest this evening in season two. She'll probably be a guest in season three around the holidays. Uh, we love talking to Ashley and the insight she gives us into ancient religious text and uh, ritual. Um, so tonight we're going to be talking about basically um, ghosts through a biblical religious realm, uh, even some funerary um what, what is the word I'm trying to look for? Funerary practices and things throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. Um, rites. Yeah, burial rites, uh, different things. Ghosts, what ghosts truly are. Uh, there are ghosts in the Bible. We talk for a few minutes about the Witch of Endor, which again we talked to Rachel Christ from the uh, Salem Witch Museum about, about the witch that is encountered by King Saul in the uh, Old Testament. But mainly it's about what we would call loving our dead, um, whether that means respect or burial or memory or ghost. Um, so anyway, we'll let her talk about all that. I'm going to get off here. We will be right back. From award-winning journalist and author Michael Lee Pope, The Ghosts of Alexandria. His spellbinding book tells of historical intrigue, the brutal beginnings of a port city, romances that end in tragedy, restless spirits like the tomb of the female stranger who's said to haunt Gadsby's tavern, and the three falling ghosts of the Carlisle House. Explore the supernatural journey of the ghosts of Alexandria, available at ArcadiaPublishing.com. For generations, people in Fairfax, Virginia have heard tales of the Bunny Man. Now, Bunny Man Brewing offers a tasty array of high-quality microbrews with a rotation of unique flavors. Come by to have a sample and maybe even catch a glimpse of the legendary hopper. But bring a friend, because you don't ever want to drink alone. Check our hours and see what's on tap at BunnyManBrewing.com. Hello. Hi, Ashley. Hello. Hi. Hi, Ashley. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are the two of you? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you hear, if you hear the pugs again, they're just sitting here panting. They just came inside. Oh. How the how the pups? Well. <laughs> Well, Eddie's got a sad eye, as we call it. He currently looks like Blackbeard. <laughs> so we're we're trying to medicate that, and our good friends at the Arlington Animal Hospital are helping. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So tonight's episode will be sponsored by Arlington Animal Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for an eye? We're your guys. <laughs> Is that pretty typical of pugs? Yeah, they've got those, you know, kind of goldfish style eyes that kind of just bug out. And I think they have lots of disagreements when we're not at home. Mm. And sometimes it comes to fisticuffs, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Pugs fight like cats. (laughs) Because they don't really have a a snout. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah. Well, Byron wears a red... uh, vest and and eddie wears a blue vest so the red and the blue states start arguing over silly things yes and next thing you know there's a there's a fight uh-huh yeah. uh-huh it's like an insurrection in your house yeah, yeah. basically daily, daily. <laughs> well ashley um we have been in this second season here kind of exploring a lot of different folklore spirits, spirits, spirits? things of the dmv area and I, we were walking in the um the graveyard in alexandria an old town that houses 13 different cemeteries wow 
um, dating back to like the 1800s and like the grades. No, 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 1700s, sorry. Uh, And just, I I was walking around looking at a lot of the graves and, uh, you know, there's this legend of the female stranger in Old Town Alexandria of this woman who passed away, but yet her ghost is still the most seen ghost in Old Town. Mm. And and it just made me think, you know, a, a lot of this stuff is like, I haven't seen it. I don't know it's there. Mm-hmm. And I've and I've talked to people who are even religious people who will say, well, I don't believe in ghosts, to which I laugh. Because mm-hmm. there's a holy ghost. Well, there's ghosts. There's there's supernatural kind of elements all throughout the Bible. And you have to have a, a belief of something to kind of even uh, begin to believe in, in religion. Of uh-huh. course, there's a faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just made me wonder. I, I just thought, oh, isn't this an interesting discussion that could be had with you about like what what that means? There's a lot of talk of the afterlife and about your spirit and what happens to your spirit. Yeah. And it, it's so interesting that you know some quote unquote spirits leave the body but don't seem to go anywhere. They seem to hang around an area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wondered if, Matt, did you want to say something, Matt? I was just wondering. Where what, do I even start? Where to start <laughs> where with Where do that? we start with <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I mean, I think I'll start, you know, just at least from the beginning of what, you know, the beginning of um, the early church, you know, in the sense of, I mean, I think, I think what's important to me about, you know, what you're saying and what you're exploring is that, I mean, throughout time, humans have um, ebbed and flowed with the relationship with the dead and what that means. And, and I think there's such curiosity and such a longing and, um, and, and these concepts because we don't know what's beyond the horizon. And so we, um, you know, our, our religious texts can give us insight. Our culture can give us insight. Um, geograph- or, you know, where we've come from throughout the world, there's just bazillions of different ways that people build and maintain relationships with the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for the, you know, so I'll be speaking about the Christian church and, um, you know, my family is European. Um, you know, going all the way back to, uh, you know, England, Ireland, and Germany. Um, so, so this has influenced how, what I'll be saying with you all in this podcast. Um, but, you know, since the beginning of the, of the Christian church, you know, the, <laughs> there's been this, this relationship with, with the dead. And also how do you, how do you bury the dead and how do you bury the dead and how do you mourn? influences what you see, how you entertain the idea of a spirit. Um, and so the, you know, so the culture of the Roman, you know, the culture of the Roman empire, um, the tradition, all the, there were all these different worldviews that were happening at the beginning of the, the Christian church that influenced basically how people cared for the dead. So, um, you know, in the beginning there were, the, you know, not, well, one facet is that there were very extravagant funerals with extravagant feasts, um, and the dead were adorned with um, with vestments, you know, of that were expensive. Um, so, but that was for the wealthy, and so the poor were left out of those um, those rituals. The poor, at least, it, you know, as what um, archaeology shows and what anthropology shows, is that um, preferred the to bury the dead. Um, you had to bury the dead quickly in um, ancient Palestine because it was hot <laughs> and a dead body could not be sitting around for too long. Right. Um, so they did actually create these um, kind of cities of the dead where people would go and they would bury their loved ones. Um, and you would ret- that would be the place where you would return. And you would return to, you know, continue to share a meal in that spot. Um, you, would con- you would go to adorn... Um, the space with, um, with with what the dead left behind, maybe some clothes, maybe some jewelry, 
uh, we definitely know in that the dead have been buried with um, precious things, their precious things for time, you know, throughout time, because it was you, you know, if if there is this afterlife, you want them to be ready. You want them to be prepared. <laughs> you don't want to leave them empty without their, you know, their best necklace. Um, and a gift card. And a gift card, exactly. So, um, so they, so the, you know, the ancient world create, you know, at least at one point was creating these was creating these cities of the dead, um, and then. You know, there were these really crazy, I shouldn't say that, that's very judgmental, sorry. There were these rituals that over time, you know, at a mark, at a year mark, you would go back to your loved one who was dead and you would actually, if there was anything left on the body, you would, you would actually, you know, dig up the body. If there was anything left, if there was still flesh, you would remove the flesh from the bone. Because the flesh, for some, they believed that that's where sin was held, right? That's where your your damage was. And wait, so, wait, 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 wait. Yep. Yep. You just said Yep. after a year, uh-huh. If they went back and there was still flesh on the bone, they basically would make you into a skeleton by force. Yes. Because, you know, again, you, they didn't want this sin hanging around in the flesh. And so they Which would, was the flesh. Which was the flesh. So Wow. Yeah. That's not traumatic for a family. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, no, I, I laugh. I laugh because it's like this is, you know, I shouldn't laugh, but it's just it, it, that is such an intense ritual to that. You know, you don't want to leave your loved one behind, right? You, right. you don't want to do them wrong. Um, your you, flesh is sin. I think I gained a lot of ten, sin. Ten pounds of sin <laughs> since COVID started. Yeah. I mean, should we redo our bathroom scales and just have this the sin monitor? Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. So yeah, I mean, I'll read this one part in this um, this book that's it's called the Christian Funeral. It goes through the history of the Christian Funeral. It says, someone from the family of the deceased, customarily the eldest son, would re-enter the tomb, so they'd be buried in a tomb, gather the bones of the deceased, and then rebury them, um, either in a stone container, a rock, or an earth grave. The bones of the corpse should not be taken apart, nor the tendons severed, unless the bones have fallen apart of themselves and the tendons of themselves have been severed. The bones may not be gathered until the flesh has wasted away. Once it has that features, once it has the features, are no longer recognizable in the skeleton. Um, so they had, you know, that's pretty intense. And also, so, but it also reflects this um, ongoing relationship with the dead. So. You know, and, hence, and hence, this is referring to the exact same thing when they found a box a few years ago that someone thought was the bones of Joseph or Jesus or something. Uh -huh. But they would then, but you're you're um, reinforcing that they would then take your skeleton and put it into a, a smaller container, and then maybe bury that. Yeah, yeah. So you're like you're again, you're kind of creating another home. That's right. appropriate for the, the shape of the body at the time. Um, so, I mean, the other thing that has shifted over time too is this experience of mourning and grieving. So, uh, particularly in for Roman culture, was very embodied um, mourning, right? So the name would be called out. There would be lamenting, um, you know, kind of the beating and wailing of the chest type of mourning. Um, in the, when the Christian Church started to evolve, they moved away from that because they saw that as, well, you know, you must have no hope of an afterlife if that is your, if that is your reaction. So they kind of tamed it down a little bit where there was more chanting, there was more reading of the Psalms um, in the sense that we have this hope um, that this person is still on a journey with God. Um, I believe that if you, you can have any expression in mourning and still believe that someone has a continued journey um, with God. So I think, you know, so skipping a few thousand years. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and what we see in the f funeral today, you know, a lot of times is, or particularly when um, someone dies is the body is taken from here to there very quickly, right? It is, it is, it is put into a private space, be it the, the funeral director, you know, the funeral home or um, if, if you're in a hospital, when my dad died, he was, you know, his body was in the the morgue or the hospital for a while, or for a few days. And so, the the relationship with the dead 
goes away quite quickly with the body. Um, you know, there isn't a there isn't a sitting around typically, um, and so uh, you know, and that impacts. I think how you see, you know, when you talk about spirits or ghosts, um, you know, I think that impacts then about your relationship with what comes after. And and I, I think what's so interesting about ghosts and spirits and, and ancestors is that, that their story continues, right? The story is, 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 does not have an ending. Right. Um, and that the, you know, a ghost is working, you know, <laughs> That, uh, that these the ghosts in Old Town, the spirits in Old Town, that it, and really it, it seems like there is it's like the trauma of the death keeps getting replayed, you know, and they're like trapped in this like traumatic death story, um, and you know they died too young or they were in a shipwreck or something, <laughs> but I think you know all of this just speaks to that we one we don't know what is beyond and that. We don't want we don't want the person to end, and so we might create stories. Um, we might actually have a vision. You know, if my dad comes to me in a dream, that's a visitation. You know, I believe exactly. that. Exactly. I believe I believe that my dad visited me. So exactly. I'm just I'm going to stop there and let you. Yes, yeah. that's exactly a great transition into. We of course are using a an English word called uh, that is ghost or spirit, mm -hmm. but if we change the word right now to a visit or a visitation or a vision, uh, I can read the Bible and find lots of visitations from angels and different yes. things happening. And if I were to change that word into ghost, it might feel like a different story. But there's lots of visitations that happen and they don't have to necessarily be seen. They could also be kind of felt. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and so many of the visits from angels um, come with the phrase, do not be afraid. Right. Yes. And, I, and I think that's just a really, you know, so when, um, so when, if my, when my dad comes back to me in a dream or, or even in a remembrance, I think that is a visitation of of my dad saying, "I'm still here, I am still with you. Do not be afraid." Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there, um, and, and I and I believe I believe that is to be true, you know. And um, so, anyway, I'll let you say more. Well, no, it's you know, it's it's like it's very, it's very interesting to see how the the farther away we think. We think that we're so there's so, such a big gap between us and a spiritual realm. When in reality, when you start talking about it, it actually kind of gets closer and closer. This reality, physical versus non-reality, spiritual, mm -hmm. and how we live our how we live our lives, even in a spiritual sense, without our physical selves in a daily way. Yeah. Sometimes we can separate what we're actually doing. You can have a spiritual, you know, experience in your mind and in your heart without even being, you know, physically in a church or physically, you know, you can, you can yes. have that. And I think that um, we're, it becomes almost like romanticized, if I can use that word, is that the right word? It becomes romanticized in the sense when demons go uh, one step further into a realm of like exorcism, mm -hmm. where almost we want to be afraid of an experience that we don't understand. And all of a sudden we, you know, trap this experience of uh, someone going through some sort of spiritual warfare. And we give this a name of like, oh, they're being possessed by a demonic ghost or spirit. When in re reality, maybe it's actually a person going through their own um negative self-talk trauma trauma experience that they can't work through mm -hmm. i don't know i you know, no. I always wanted to have like the podcast with like an exorcist priest and say okay what's up yeah <laughs> well and i think i think that's right matt i think you know when you read the stories about um about demonic presences or demons in you know with jesus you know and he he asks the demons to basically go. He doesn't actually, he, you know, he doesn't tell the person to go away. He asks, is that why we sh is that why we shouldn't eat pig? Yeah. <laughs> he asks the demon to leave, right? And so, so the way I see it is that there's this external threat 
coming with this person, right? You know, and you can, you said it, it's like, it could be trauma, um, some type of toxicity, but something is, is there's this external threat that is actually rattling the interior landscape of, of a person. And Jesus is asking that, that, that external threat that, that um, whatever is creating this, like, you know, I don't even know what to say, but you know, that's what's being asked to leave. The human ne is never rejected. It's this, it's this external threat. Right. And I feel like sometimes the, the hell, if, if, if hell is a thing, hell to me kind of equates a place where there isn't God. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going through a, a, an experience that is what we would say demonic or negative or ghostly or whatever, and I'm working through something, perhaps I am possibly going through an experience where I have removed that light and God. And yes. therefore I've allowed some sort of negative influence to take over. It's almost like your mind and your body and your soul become three different things rather than one, which is kind of the Trinity aspect, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, in Psalm 139, you know, this, the psalmist, the, the poet, um, speaks to Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, uh, uh, which is this play, you know, is what might interpret that hell. Right. But it's the deepest of places. And the psalmist says, no matter where I go, even if I go into shale, you are still there. Um, and so and I think that's, um, you know, I, I personally do not believe hell is a place that we are banished. <laughs> but there but we know that there can be a kind of hellish experiences on Earth and that type of suffering which I assume the, the psalmist, that poet to have been, been experiencing, that even in the worst of the moments, um, that there is, that there's a presence, there isn't an absence, there is a presence. Um, you, know, you know, my first panic attack mm -hmm. was in a church. And this is complete honesty. And I, and I, and I want anyone who's listening to this with, your beautiful guidance to just realize some sometimes that when we are working with young kids how we manifest and speak about these powerful words can really sort of scare the bejesus out of people mm -hmm. and i we were watching three films on the end times uh, one of the films was called A Thief in the Night. One of the films was called Distant Thunder. And I think the third one was called The Mark of the Beast. And I remember trying to wrap my head around such um, enormous uh, sort of epic storytelling. And the ghosts and the demons and the fighting and the everything was so overwhelming for me that I really, really became so scared. And where this is going is, I of course grew up loving, loving Ann Baxter in the Ten Commandments. Mm. <laughs> but whenever it got to the, the plagues and the passing of the angel of death, I always thought, well, what is, what is the angel of death? You know, is that a ghost? Is that a spirit? Is this like, you know, um, the um, the Grim Reaper coming because it was so, um, I don't use the word scary, but you know, it was just scary of like, what is happening? Yeah. And I wonder in that storytelling of even the, the story of the Exodus, the angel of death, um, I mean, sure, a plague and, and disease and things could have happened that was killing people. But I think even that label of the angel of death feels almost like a ghost passing around town. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, and it, it it's a threat, right? That's a that's a threatening presence. Right. That if you don't do as you were told, you know, this is where you're going to end up. Right. <laughs> this is this is going to be your journey. You're right. not going to be journeying with God. You're going to be journeying with this this angel of death, and you're going to live in this torment, right? Um, and that, that's a particular worldview, you know, and, and we see that today, um, you know, in, in religious types, some religious types, um, that death is, death is used as, you know, 
as a threat and it's used um, as a way of manipulating um, that you, you know, that ultimately, you know, the afterlife is the most important part of the, of our existence. And if you don't get it right here, you're going to spend the rest, you know, eternity kind of, you know, rejected by God. Um, and I find that incredibly manipulative and problematic um, that you can do whatever the hell you want on earth. <laughs> um, and you have to follow kind of a, a purity codes, so to speak. And, uh, you know, you have no shot with God after, after you die, you know? And so death as a manipulation as a means of manipulation, I think is just really horrifying. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, I know people that kind of don't really have as much empathy for I'll say others as my, as I do my air quotes with my fingers, because they're not living for the earthly experience they're waiting to celebrate in heaven because of their wonderful um devotion to their their club yeah their yeah. their um anyway um i just have to read this fascinating thing okay first of all i read the apocrypha mm. because i well i used to maybe i slow down now that i'm older but i used to have a huge thirst for just stuff anyways i don't remember what chapter this is from and i think the book is somewhere in this house but i haven't read it for a while but i remember this story that i read in the apocrypha which is one of the one of the books of course that was taken out of the mm -hmm. and this story was about jesus playing with a bunch of kids on a rooftop and i'm yes. like go oh, jesus yeah those legos yeah and this kid falls off of a roof and dies mm -hmm. and jesus got blamed so Jesus brings the kid alive, back to life, just uh, long enough that he can tell his parents or whatever that, no, Jesus had no part in this. <laughs> but then the kid died again. Wow. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So this kid, anyways, that has nothing to do with ghosts. But I did find a wonderful passage that I've never read before that I was like, Wow. The Witch of Endor. <laughs> Do you know her? <laughs> I have not read this in a very long time, so re refresh my memory. But Okay, so this is from the Old Testament, uh, 1 Samuel 28, 3 through 25. And this clearly is on Google on a little search, so it might be wrong. I'm not going to take... Um, stock in this completely but it says a feet the witch of endor was a female sorcerer who was visited by saul mm. the first king of israel going knock 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 hey endor you up and he asks her to conjure up the spirit of the prophet samuel mm. to tell his fortunes when the woman reminded him of the law against practicing her art he assured her that she would be protected. Now, I'm not endorsing this story, nor am I condemning it, because I think stories for me are to open up a conversation for many, many things. But I thought that that was fascinating. I had never, ever, now I'm not a religious scholar, although I was on my way to be uh, a minister at one point. Which we need to hear more about at some point, but can <laughs> um, And, uh, I, I just never read that, that um, that happened and that there actually was a witch in the Bible named Endor. I was like, oh, my yeah. God. A sorcerer. Mm -hmm. That's pretty great. I mean, so what does that, you know, if we think of as scripture as a window into the past, like what kind of picture are you, I mean, when you re read that story, what, what do you, what is that telling you about that worldview, that world, just in that little nutshell of a story? Well, for me, I'm seeing someone who is seeking further knowledge Yes, from someone who might be wiser in a different category than what they are in. For instance, mm -hmm. rather than going to a, my first doctor, I'm going to also listen to uh, someone who might be an herbalist or then go to someone who might be this and getting almost like... Um, a second opinion. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. What I hear is a man of power going to a woman for a, help and advice, Whoop. which is kind of unheard of. Yes. But of course he is asking her to summon somebody else, another man. 
Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. But she's she's the uh, telephone operator anyway. Um, <laughs> but she is. She's. I mean, it seems like you know she is a source of some type of wisdom and guidance that you know these you know these humans who have power and some do not are seeking about what to do, and and I think that you know this is like a cultural fusion, right, of the ancient world that clearly they they sought. Um, they sought wisdom from other realms. It wasn't just the human realm. I mean, I had, a, I remember I was at a tarot, like I had a tarot card reading with a group of people and I was like, okay, this is, I mean, it was just like, do, do I think tarot cards are the source of all wisdom? No. Do, did I see it as a mirror of feedback? You know, another realm of that? Yes. You know? Um, so I just think that's a really interesting story. I think both of you, you know, have some real insight into, um, you know, what was happening at the time and what were, what did the, um, this kind of other realm of life, um, what, what can that offer us? You know, what, what does that offer us that to help us make our own choices and decisions in the here and now? Mm -hmm. I just think it's fascinating. We, um, we've been, of course, on this spirit kick, um, for a little bit and I feel like you know people who have kind of followed us with this imagery of Stephen with the fire and all these different things all of our conversations have been kind of really intellectual and kind of historic based and literature based like it's not really quite so scary when you think about it <laughs> um and I also feel like when people die um in some way, we kind of are waiting for signs or looking for signs. Like I remember my grandmother died and a butterfly started following me around and all of a sudden I started noticing butterflies. And is that because I just wanted to or is that because that was a sign? And both answers might be correct and both answers might be wrong. And does it really even matter if do I, I have an answer? What might be beautiful is just the fact that I was constantly reminded of my grandmother. Yeah. No, I think they're all, cor I mean, it's not even being correct. I think it all has meaning. And um, yeah, and I think you probably were paying attention to butterflies more after after that death experience. And and that's what death does, right? I, you know, I think it gives us another way of paying attention to the here and now. So the the spirits, the visitations, right? This is, these are all ways of, of communicating, of connection, um, that can that can influence how we, you know, how we relate to our neighbors, how we share love, how we build connection. Yeah. Um, and and that's what you know. So, you know, did your grandmother turn into a butterfly? You know, for me, probably not. Was there was there a realm of the natural world that was coming to you in a in a very unique and sacred, and special way? Yes. And is that and does that butterfly remind you of your grandmother? Yes. You know, and and does your grandmother feel more close? Yes. You know, and and, she, and are we and are we missing all the daily butterflies that aren't grandmas, but are other things that we are too busy to not even notice? Right. So it's about pausing, and uh, and and I think that's what spirit. I think that's what ancestors. I think you know, if for ghosts, you know, they are a reminder of, of that we have a past. Yeah. Um, and that the past is actually here. The past just doesn't go away. And, right. I, and, and that's where I think the beauty really lies in all of this. So here's one ghost story. Mm. I moved to, uh, my grandfather had an operation once in the hospital and, and I moved in with my grandmother because my grandmother was the coolest grandmother in the world. She smoked, she gambled, she took trips, she wore f cute clothes. And I just thought she was a hip hipster. So I moved in with grandma and we had a great time and all of a sudden my grandfather died mm. in the hospital unexpectedly. And I was like, oh crap, I can't leave grandma and be like, well, thanks for the vacation. That was fun. Mm -hmm. So I stayed for five years. Mm. One night coming home, I see that the basement light is on. And of course the basement is seen through those little windows that just hover ab above the dirt. Mm -hmm. Um. So I go in the house and I go to turn the lights off in the basement and I hit the switch and they are already off. Mm. Now the light is not being seen where I am. It's actually shining through a door. 
So I therefore then turn the lights on and all the lights come on. I turn them back off and all of the lights go completely off. <laughs> so I freaked out. I got my car, drove my uncles and acted like nothing had happened. And I was like, hey, what's up? What you doing? Which Enda? <laughs> um, and Endor. Endor. Well, what's up, which Endor? <laughs> I need some knowledge. Anyways. So then uh, it happened again uh, a second time. And maybe, I don't know if it was a visitation. Now, the basement was my grandfather's. He was a tinkerer. Uh-huh. That's where he made his jewelry. That's where he made his uh, whiskey and moonshine. Mm-hmm. That's where he fixed cars. Once again, I came home. I saw the light was on in the basement. I went in. The lights were off. I turned all the lights on. I turned them off. And it went black. And I'm like, and to this day, and not that that's a ghost story, but I always think, what was that light coming through granddaddy's side of the basement? Yeah. What yeah. was that? An, it was some sort of, was there a mouse with a candle? Yeah. It was probably a mouse with a candle, Matt. I saw the light. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, and I don't, I don't even care. Like I said, it doesn't matter if it, if it was or it wasn't. You know, sometimes are we looking for something to happen? Um, sometimes we're just sharing stories like these to talk about our past relatives. Yes. And, and that in and of itself is like a visitation or a yes. ghost. It's keeping them alive in some way. Yeah. And, and I think that's half of what any of this is, really. I mean, mm-hmm. people still tell the story of the female stranger because it's a fascinating story and and in a way that keeps her very much a ghost, very much alive. Um, and and do people see her? Maybe, don't know. Uh, or do they, they speak her name enough to, to make her still here with us? Yeah. Um, and that's really, to me, life after death is, is, you know, those moments of bringing those people back into the memory, into the conversation um, like they're here again. When what's interesting now, we're living in a time uh, where all of us are going to be remembered in a digital way. Yeah. Where people up until 19, blah, 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 really weren't. And now mm-hmm. it's like a, a different sort of immortality of like watching old I mean, videos and, and, you know, I have vo- voicemails I haven't erased from people who have passed away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think of this past weekend and, you know, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and, you know, and still, you know, down at the the place of the towers, you know, they, they read those names, right? You know, and what, you know, they don't just, they're not scrolling on a jumbotron or, um, you know, they don't put up a Twitter feed with those things. They, it's a very human experience of other humans reading, you know, human names. And, and I think it's just, it, it takes a very long time. And that sense of, of taking time for the dead, um, particularly that, you know, that, that horror and bringing them back in a way that is incredibly gentle and communal, um, really, no, ca- powerful. really counters the story yeah. and of, of how they died. And um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, I think you're right, Stephen, that that's, you know, all of this is about maintaining this connection. I think, you know, for me personally, um, do I have like mild panic attacks when I think will not be here? Yes. You know, that does scare me. Um, and, and so who doesn't want to have these reassuring rituals that you won't be forgotten, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think, you know, this, for me, that, that's, that is how I see inter- eternal life. That, how, that is how I see the Christian concept of resurrection of the dead. Um, you know, in the, you know, the first, um, we, uh, first Sunday in November is considered all, is all saints day in the church. And that is when, you know, you read the names of the dead, particularly of the last year. Um, so that those ancestors are brought forward and their wisdom continues to guide us. Right. I mean, even the witch of Endor, <laughs> you know, she is, she is an ancestor and, and what does she have to offer us today? Um, about how we see the world and and maybe nothing right now Um, and that's the discernment work right but but she um, but she's there and she'll always be there and and what are the you know that's what I love about so much about the Christian church is these evolving rituals that allow us um, to 
to really take take the 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 names, the stories, to take the dead with us in ways that aren't just in our head, right? Um, that are about sharing, you know, about meals and remembrance and song, um, and and I think that kind of full embodiment is just is really is so crucial and just and it's just such a loving way to to continue to care for someone who cared for you. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think when I, I thought about just having this conversation, which is everything that I wanted it to be, um, uh, walking through that ancient cemetery and just thinking about, you know, I, and having recently been to a more modern cemetery for the passing of my aunt, um, it, it it was just kind of just any. I love walking through cemeteries, yeah. and it's not it's not morbid. To me, it's love and attention and care. It's an ancient mm-hmm. library. It is a library, yeah. of service, you know, and just that you can feel thirteen different cemeteries in one gigantic plot of land. You can feel the power and the heft of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like being at National Cemetery. It's, mm-hmm. and that has the uniformity of the graves, which make, makes another statement that's just overpowering. Um, but I, I. Yeah, this is exactly the conversation that I thought it was. Have you been to, to be. have you been to Congressional Cemetery? We have not. We, we should go. People there. keep saying that to us. Yeah. Well, one, you can get a pass for your dogs and they can go off leash. So <laughs> you can get like a day pass. <laughs> um, and, you know, it is, um, I actually did a, a wedding. I officiated a wedding um, a year ago and in the chapel. Uh, at Congressional, and it was amazing. And they, you know, the couple, it was obviously very intentional, but they really wanted to have this uh, one, um, a, a queer couple. And, you know, because of the the queer part of the cemetery, the very intentional part of that cemetery, they wanted to kind of honor the ancestors by getting married in the chapel. Um, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was really beautiful. Um, and the chapel is just this is really quaint you know, it's, it's this really quaint chapel. Um, and they have a little, a little live, you know, one of those little library things where you can get your free books and put a book back. Um, so that was pretty cute, but no, I think, and you know, and then you see these, you know, you see how people show up, um, how they remembered, right. So Marion Barry is, you know, the mayor of DC, um, is, is buried there and he has this humongous, (laughs) um, like tombstone. Right. And then, um, some, uh, they were burying um, uh, senators and representatives at the the cemetery up until a certain point, and they each had well, each one there was this uniform tombstone that was probably the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't know who thought it. It looks like it looks like the head of R two D two. It's like a <laughs> globe with a square around it. I'm like, that's the best you did. Um, so uh, no, it's it's huge and it's incredibly beautiful and. It does. It tells. It just tells these stories, right? There are all these stories in there, and you can imagine people. You know, you kind of imagine people's lives, um, and you know, and then you see trauma of someone who died at six months, right, or who died when they were twelve, um, or the couple. You know, the couple who where one couple's been buried, and then the other couple is waiting, right? Like their tombstone has not been finished; they're still alive. I mean, and that type of this relationship for them themselves as you know as the dead and uh, I I just think it's you know it is I I think it's if you like cemeteries that is uh and they you know there's all they have you know you can like give these you have self-guided tours um of the cemetery so it's a really powerful place but you do have to get a pass or just for the dogs Oh, I don't know. Well, I think the dogs you get like yeah you get a you can get a pass for your dogs um it's only I don't know what they're um Anyway, check online. It'll give you, it'll tell you what to do, but, um, yeah, look. yeah, no, it's definitely worth going. Um, it's very, it's a very peaceful, peaceful place. So, um, and isn't that, isn't that what you, what you want for, you know, your loved one, right? You, you do, you want them to be in peace. And so, um, and these, all these rituals, right back, you know, from the beginning of time, you know, through the Christian church, it's all about how do you, um, how do you continue to show love? Um, yeah. And what are the rituals that show love? What are the actions that show love? And what are the stories that you tell that show love? You know, I know it's difficult when someone passes away, but 
you know, it's it's just so much more extremely difficult when someone passes away at a sort of more unexplained way or a younger way. And the the way that we sort of try to wrangle those ghosts of why and, you know, this wasn't meant to be, I think, is such a heavier mystery. And I'm going back to, um, I do have a few personal stories like that, but back to the female stranger, there's a huge like question mark of why this poor soul died and her story goes on without her name. Mm. But yet, so there is this ghost still out there lingering that's like this unsettled, maybe not an apparition, but this unsettled ghost, which is a unsettled um yeah. Well, she never got to live the fullness of life, right? I mean, I you know, reading stuff about 9-11 this past weekend, like you imagine what would your loved one have become? Right. Uh, you know, that they, they never got a chance. And that's incredibly unfair. You know, it's right. incredibly unfair. It, death can be profoundly unfair. Um, and so, yes, this, you know, this woman who doesn't have a name, maybe we just need to give her a name. Maybe that would help the torment. Um, but um yeah, I mean, there is, you know, and we're always unfinished with the dead, right? Um, even if someone dies at 95, you know, or 100 years old, um, as my father-in-law, who's almost 90, would say, like, they made it. Um, you know, but there's always unfinished business. Right? Yeah. I mean, I still get annoyed at my dad. And isn't, and, and that's, a, and then like, that's like my, I, I still have this relationship, right? right. It's, it, it's it, it is, it is the what it's still evolving. And it is one that is true to what it was when he, when he was alive, right? right. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, you know, is someone trapped in this kind of purgatory? I don't think so, but but her story is, right? Because she never got to finish her story. And and that's not fair. Um, and we keep, we keep her alive by retelling it. Yeah, and you know, and her story in 10 years will be different than it is now. It, right. some, something will change in this oral, in the oral tradition, right? Um, it's like the story at the family reunion. You know, you have one story and it's told four different ways. <laughs> That's kind of how I see the Bible. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And so her story will evolve because it's going to keep getting handed down and it's going to, it's going to change because that's what happens. Um, so. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on again. This was an amazing discussion. Um, and I. Uh, we could talk all night. I know. Yes. We're going to have to have you back in the holiday season for our... We're going to do like Sunday night Bible chats with the three of us. Oh, yeah. Bring up a topic. Well, I hope at Arlington, well, depending on where we are with everything in this, you know, variances, um, in, in the before time, right when, we, right when we moved into our new space at, um, at Gilliam Place at Columbia Pike and uh, Glebe, we had Christmas karaoke. Ah. I love that. So if we have it, I feel like the two of you would do well in that scene. <laughs> we are definitely thinking about maybe going into a holiday uh, red and green sort of, I don't know what, how, what, we're, what our angle will be. We're definitely going to go into something Christmassy. Yeah, yeah. After this fall time, we have to celebrate all of that. Yeah. yeah. Give us something. Give us some joy, please. Ab yeah, absolutely. I just finished a Christmas album thursday with my mother what she i took my mom as a sort of gift into the recording studio she's always been at the church singer and the country the country singer so um where i'm from is called the pine hills and she has just recorded her uh debut christmas album a pine hill christmas god it sounds like patsy klein or something i mean is there a release party <laughs> There should be. There should be. Yeah, we'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah, we're still trying to figure out the wish box for. Oh, that's right. Ah, just so much going on. But I know. Um, well, thank you, Ashley. Uh, we love talking to you, and I love um, talking to two of you. Thank you so much. It's good for me to think about. So yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Have yeah. a wonderful night. We'll talk to you next you time. Too. All right. Thanks to both of you. <laughs> Bye. 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 -bye. Thanks so much, Ashley. We always love talking to you. Um, it's a fascinating discussion, don't you think? 
Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, every time we talk to Ashley, we kind of open up a, a can of worms that we really could just talk and talk and talk for a good while because, um, you know, when you're talking about ghosts, as you were saying, um, you kind of go into a multiple seven-layer dip of all, what, like, what really encompasses the word ghost. It's a lot of different ideas and a lot of different thought, and um, yeah, just a fascinating discussion, I, I, and I think something that we're still thinking about um, mm-hmm. after talking to Ashley. Yeah. Um, so thank you again. We love talking to you. Love to have you back, season three. Um, so if you want to know more about us, where do we visit? www.spreadshirt. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. We'll get there next. Connor <laughs> Smith musicals.com that's Connor with an ER find us on Facebook under Connor and Smith again Connor with an ER um, Spreadshirt yeah we'll put the Spreadshirt merchandise season 2 link in the description of this podcast um, we just ordered uh, our first box of products to have a fashion show display of what I ordered something from every design so we could get a sense of what these all look like I'm very excited. There might be a fashion show. Um, and it's been shipped. I got an email today. So it's coming from, funny enough, the merchandise store is right down the street from my mother's new home. So it's being shipped from Greensburg, which means it'll probably get here in just a couple days. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to do a little fashion show for you guys. Um, but uh, other than that, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Really helps us out a lot. Um, is there anything else you want to say? Nope. <clears throat> nope. We're going to still just do our thing with this uh, new season, and we've got some exciting things coming up. Yeah, absolutely. So until then, as we always say in season two, never, never stop, stop questioning. questioning. Bye, everybody.